Who's this? Oh, you're an entrepreneur? Oh, you're a real estate investor. Oh, you're trying to learn from those who did it. Well, come into the lab then. Put your white coat on, gloves on, notepad, and let's build y'all. Real estate experiment, what is happening, y'all? Today, I have the pleasure of having Eric Martel. That's right, Eric. Uh, not to be confused with Antoine, because we did have Antoine step into the lab, but I'm so excited uh, to have the connection come full circle, because uh, we have the myth, the legend, the man himself. So, I'm, <laughs> First of all, Eric, welcome to the lab, and, and it's such a pleasure of having you here, and I'm excited yeah. to talk about... Um, how you pretty much, I mean, at this, let's call it an empire. Let's call it what it is. But I, I definitely want to get right into the beginning. So um, first of all, let's talk about the connection. Tell me about yourself. I think there's some fun facts I hear that we got to put out to our to our listeners. So if we were debating on having this podcast in French because, you know, we just realized <laughs> that we have a French connection. And I believe we also do have a Canadian connection. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I lived in Hamilton, Ontario. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I lived in, in Montreal. Yeah, Montreal, and then I lived in Ottawa, uh, okay. and then and then my family relocated to uh, Atlanta. So that's where yeah. we are in the marketplace. And I believe you're based out of. So we're in LA. I'm in LA, and then uh, we do business basically in Memphis and Cleveland. That's right. Not too far. Yeah. Not too far. Yeah. So, but okay, take me a step back because obviously, you know, I got a chance to connect. I know yep. a lot about you, but I want you to tell it to the people who are listening. Who is who is Eric? Who, who was he before and who are mm -hmm. you today? And just cover it in a very kind of high level of maybe the highlights. Give us the highlights. Yep. Give us the juice. And then we'll Abs get to the nitty gritty. Absolutely. And then I'll, yeah. fit, I'll fit Antoine into this as well. Kind of like Absolutely. how he fit in and all that, uh, how we got onto this. Yeah. But uh, really, my, uh, my first real estate transaction when, when I was uh, 18 years old, I bought an eight-unit apartment building in... Uh, since we're, you know, about Canada in Trois-Rivières, just oh, outside of Montreal. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, I was at uh, university at the time, second year of university, but I had met um, a gentleman who was, uh, who was a real estate investor and he agreed to mentor me. And that real estate investor was just a regular community college teacher. But somehow this guy with his regular income, nothing special, uh, was able to build like a 36-unit apartment building, and um, you know he was that was cash flowing, and um, basically he he was doing great on his salary, and I was just like, wow, this is this is amazing. And at the time, my goal was not to achieve financial freedom or stuff like that. I was 18 years old. I didn't, you know, I had the whole life in front of me. I didn't see the need to do anything like that. But I knew that this was a great opportunity for me to learn something. And, um, and so I just grabbed onto him and said, you know, can you teach me? Can you, uh, you know, coach me, mentor me to, to get this transaction, uh, a transaction done? I didn't know what that looked like. And he, that's what happened. And then I ended up buying an eight-unit apartment building, no money down, cash flowing in uh, Trois-Rivières. Uh, I was trying to look at, at that on online uh, on maps.google.com, but these buildings have been removed now, uh, and some some brand new buildings are on top of that. But um, so that was great, and so I, I move, I continue my career as an actuarial consultant, and uh, after graduation from um, 
from university. And yeah, so I spend my time basically doing something that's called uh, vesting pension plans, basically mm. getting rid of defined benefit pension plan and converting them into 401ks, basically a savings account. And, uh, and that's really the, the, part, the problem with these is that it basically shifts the risk of, the, of retirement onto the employee away from the employer, because now it's just a savings account. It's whatever you can buy at retirement. Anyway, blah, 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 do some, some more actuarial stuff. And I don't like really the environment. Uh, and then the high tech was kind of happening then. And, uh, and so I decided to do consulting, independent consulting and uh, join the company and eventually moved to their headquarter in California in 2000. So I moved my family. Antoine was born in, in, in his brother were born in, uh, in Canada. And then we moved the whole gang, uh, in, um, in 2000 in California. And, uh, what, what, why did you, why did you pick California? I'm curious. What, what was the, uh, I was there? tired of the winter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> trying I mean, to go as Southern as we can. Southern. I don't understand why people West. live there, honestly, but, um, <laughs> Well, maybe if they can find more eight units that are cash flowing with no money down, we, yeah, maybe really. that, that would keep me there perhaps. <laughs> but, I don't know, but I would have somebody over there manage them. But, absolutely, um, that's right. So when I moved here, then I knew I had like a lot of stock options at the time. And I was just like, okay, well, I need to diversify. And I was really keen on getting into real estate again. And real estate in California, in two, even in 2000, was insane. Right. So, um, so, but I tried to find for something that would cash flow, and uh, and basically, it you can cash flow, but you had to put a lot of cash into it. And then the return on equity was like one percent or two percent. So I said, well, I might as well stay in the stock market. Uh, but then two thousand and one, remember that wonderful year? We had a big crash, the dot com crash in two thousand and one. So that basically wiped wiped me out pretty much of, uh, I had some money left, but I mean that whatever I had left, I basically decided to buy a, a house at that point. But really I, the shift that happened there is that I said, well, I really need to focus on something that I can control and something that's going to generate passive income. And that's going to be uh, also provide a legacy for uh, future generation. And that 2001, this is where it really say, okay, well, I have to do something. And uh, so I did all kinds of different businesses and uh, my wife and I, and then the plan was already, I had a pretty good paying job. So the plan was always like, oh, my wife would kind of work the business, get it started, get it off the ground. I would do, you know, the finance, accounting, blah, 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 operations. And then and, she would and, do the sales. And, and I'm curious, what businesses were those? Because I, I, first of all, I think what's interesting is that I think it's something like 70% of businesses are actually family businesses. So I think I always yeah. find it fascinating when people find it, find it within to kind of, you know, integrate everybody. But I guess initially when you say with your wife, were you guys doing small businesses outside of real yeah. estate or what was it? Oh yeah. It was outside of real estate. So we did uh, the first one, uh, Lynn had done it. My wife had done a couple of other ones uh, on her own, but then the one that we did together was uh, actually, she did that one on her own. It was the uh, low carb grocery store. Hmm. And uh, I don't know if Antoine mentioned it in his story, but uh, he was work. He loved that store. He was uh, he was working in there. And when we set it all up, he was working. I think he was like 
six, seven years old or something like that. Some, he was so young. And then he was working side by side with the distributor that was doing all the the shelving and stuff like that. And they were working side by side. And then she would say, oh, Antoine, do you, uh, where do you think we should put this product? And then they would speak like, my God, like merchandisers. And stuff. Oh, I think we should put it there. <laughs> no kidding. He was like, yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, I forget how old he was, but uh, anyways, very so this young. Was a, what kind of store was this again? Uh, it was a low carb grocery store. Low you remember Atkins, grocery. Atkins diet? Yeah, diet. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No kidding. So that was really booming at the time. Of course, and, it's California. Uh, Everybody wants to look good. <laughs> right? And uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it was great. He, he run the, the cash register and okay. all of that and deal with, dealt with customer and stuff. And, um, but then Atkins died. So uh, that was the big guy, that, the big sponsor of this whole low-carb diet kind of thing. And uh, so basically the whole industry kind of collapsed and the whole interest around that collapsed. Then we did the gourmet sauce company. Uh, we did, uh, yeah. So that that was pretty good. And but again, you know, we we ran this like five years, and um, it really didn't it it didn't take off. Like it didn't have the, um, you know, we were expecting we want to have passive income, so we want to be able to basically put it in the store and it sells itself. People yeah. get hooked on it and then the uh but it didn't work like that i mean we had to constantly spend money to to market it and to do in-store demos they call it and uh you know all kinds of promotions like every every other week to uh, in order for the product to move and if the product doesn't move then you know you kind of uh Stuck the, with store, it. the store calls you and they say hey you know get your get your product off the shelf uh, you have to buy it back or something like that oh wow now i'm out of curiosity because i think every it, a lot of us are in the real estate business for the real yeah, yeah. so i do like to highlight these, these yeah i'm these sorry about that, that you're making. <laughs> no no yeah. this is no this is this is what i'm saying is it's in yeah. the lab when I did welcome you into the lab is it is entrepreneurs, people who are business oriented, uh, people yeah. who are interested in real estate. The two come together like wonder work. So mm-hmm. I do want to highlight that because I was in, you know, I did, I was in e-commerce as well, but it was very different. It was like a very drop shipping model. And we were thinking of doing white label before and it meant yeah. holding the no, inventory yeah. ahead yeah. of time, which again, we all know that nightmare. So yeah. I'm curious when you were doing this, was it more of um, just understanding that kind of business? Is it a bulk amount of wholesale? after or is it one of those where you get the shelf space and then you have to move it uh i'm curious how does that work yeah every store every store is pretty different mm-hmm. and uh, but some some stores yeah you have to you know you, you can put the products on the shelf and then uh you talk to the uh you know the the manager and stuff like that we were at whole foods for example and then so the whole food the the team leader I had a lot of leeway into what products they can bring. So you can go to your local store and say, Hey, I'm, I'm a local producer here and I want to, you know, put my product on your shelf and stuff like that. I said, yeah, okay, sure. That's how much, you know, and then you talk about that. And then they run you a report. They put you in the system, they run you a report. And then after a couple of months, if that doesn't work out, then they say, well, you know, this is not working out. Uh, we're gonna. You can take your product, or we can. Just, oh, uh, got it. So you were providing yeah. the, the gourmet sauces on other people's shelves. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Oh. It was at whole. It was at Whole Foods, where all the Whole Foods oh, and some other, uh, yeah, in uh, also in Northwest and Home Goods and in Canada as well. 
Okay. So I want to highlight that for a second because you said you started at a very young age, real estate, 18 years, mm-hmm. and then you obviously pivoted and, and you, well, of course, you, you gone to school and then you did some yeah. consulting. So mm-hmm. were you thinking, okay, let me just first make as much money as I can. And then mm-hmm. were you, were, did you always have investing in the back of your mind or was that oh, yeah. like put on the back burner? Like what happened during that time when you from 18 to that transitional period? I knew I would be an, I was an entrepreneur when I was like nine years old. So, you know, and, you know, people remind me of things I've said when I was younger. <laughs> and so, yeah, I knew that I was, I was not uh, going to work for as a full-time employee uh, forever. So I was all in the back of my mind, I was always, um, you know, I was always trying to find a way to, to do something. And as far as I remember, whenever I had a full-time job, I always had a side gig that I was working another side business that I was trying to get off the ground. How can you, can you talk about how I'm so glad you said that, Eric, can you talk about how important that is? Because I know that right now in this day and age, it's pretty sexy to just say, Hey, peace, this is not working out. Like I'm going to start my own thing, but it sounds like you're and maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting this from you now. Maybe I'm incorrect, but it sounds like you're, you're pretty strategic in, you know, making money the way you're supposed to make money in a career and then kind of deploying that into business. Was that the strategy or was it just uh until something takes off then i'll leave the job behind and i, I just want to hear your perspective because i think it's important for people to understand or an entrepreneur who's employed to hear this yeah so when i was uh, obviously when i was by myself then you know it doesn't matter i don't have to ask permission for anything and if i you know when you're 18 years old and you have what's the bank going to do if I don't pay the mortgage? You know? So I was just like, what you want to have? Because when I signed the check the, to, uh, for the, uh, for the, what is that called? When you do the application for the mortgage and stuff like that, I had to write a check for a hundred or $125. And I think I had like $200 in my bank account. So yeah, what's the bank going to do if I don't pay the mortgage? So there's, there's not many much consequences associated with that. When you get a family and all of that and you have a house and you have to pay the, and you don't want to lose your house, then you have to be a little bit more strategic and make sure that, you know, you have to keep the revenue flowing. So this is why it was great. Uh, a lot of the time the strategy was, yeah, I keep my job. Like I, I work, uh, my, uh, I was an independent consultant at the time. So yeah. I would, I would work that. And then my, my wife would start, you know, reworking these, these businesses. She, so she worked heavily on the sauce business, for example, and all the sales and marketing and the operations. I would be the kind of like the back office kind of person on um, the systems and, and the finances and all of that. And um, <clears throat> any kind of research also in terms of, you know, food and, you know, batch, you know, manufacturing and stuff like that. So I would, I would work with that. But um, yeah, so that was, that's how we did it. And, and the plan was that, okay, well, let's see how this takes off and how this takes off. And, and eventually the hope was that it would, it would work out and then I would be able to quit my job. And then eventually what happens is that as the next business was actually Etienne, you, you, you haven't met him, but he's, an, he's uh, Antoine's brother. Yes. And uh, so he told me that he wanted to be in real estate. So he wanted to do real estate investing. And then I said, oh, okay, well, this is, this is different. And then that kind of took me back to my uh, 18-year-old uh, experience. And then we, so we started working on that. We started working in the Bay Area tried to do flips and tried to do wholesaling and tried to, uh, 
you know, different types of business. We, uh, and, but we always tried, it was the, the market was too tough over there. We were like the, the small fish in a big pond. People mm-hmm. had way more money than, than we had, or they had more resources or they had a uh, contractors on board. And then, um, so we kind of like, we tr- tried to do all kinds of different things. And then Antoine, who was at uh, studying at university at the time in entrepreneurship, then he started becoming interested in what we were doing. And he said, hey, you know, <laughs> what are you guys doing? And then so, uh, <laughs> so we so said, oh, yeah. So he got interested into that and he actually got, um, so then we tried to do like more commercial stuff, something I was more familiar with. It was more financial and numbers driven. And so, yeah, so we continued to pivot. It took us a, yeah. at least a year, a year and a, maybe two years to, to yeah. find the right footing and the right strategy, which yeah. ended up being out-of-state out of uh, passive income. Right, and I was going to get there, but I think it's important we talk about the inside, I guess, oh, okay. <laughs> inside, the, well, no, the inside the, the teamwork that happened, because I think yeah. at some point you're talking about it at a very high level, but I want to dive deep and give, give people yep. insight, because I think, I mean, this comes up often, too, in my, 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 my extended family, et cetera. Oh, yeah, we should start it. We should start a business, or we should start that. And I think people should, but what does that look like, right? From uh, You have Etienne, you have Antoine, who's in school, you have your wife, you have you, who has a full-time job. How do you internally, oh. was it, mm-hmm. do you, hey, okay, you're good at this, you do that, or delegate, like, how did that teamwork, because I think it's important for people to hear that, like, how does that look like within a household under underneath that one roof? How, yeah. How did that happen? So that's is very interesting. Yeah, we have a very interesting family, I would say. I, I shouldn't say that, but it's very, uh, it's very dynamic. Um, we've started businesses as, as uh a short period of time as like one day we had the website going we had the the manufacturing going and uh and samples pictures of samples from china all that within 24 hours um so we had so a couple you, of businesses so you guys like that. you guys compression you guys move yeah quickly. yeah you exactly an and you guys just go it's better to do and see what's going on. I mean, you can kind of uh, intellectualize everything and then say, okay, well, you know, I think this is what the market strategy should be. And this is, you know, and come up with a 50 page business plan and all of that. But I think it's much more important to say, okay, well, what, you know, kind of like a, the one page business plan. I think this is a great idea. Get your, the faster you can get to execution, the better, and then minimize your risk. So that's the other thing. So don't go and invest a huge amount of money into into something. Go with small small tests and then kind of ramp up after that. Um, but yeah, man, we fo- we focus a lot on numbers. For us, it's it's all in the numbers. We look at uh, even for the sauce sauce business, it was a completely different business for us. Uh, I've never produced anything at. Uh, in fact, I didn't even know what the the, the manufacturers were called called and i forget what they're called now back uh, packer something packer anyway um and uh so, who, so who, i'm curious who took that on like is there like a mo- weekly huddle at the dinner time like <laughs> i want to know like what is it like at the 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 martell's household like i, I so we can get yeah. insight to the uh, whether Canadian, American families, internationally, like what is, how can we model? Because what you've done, yeah. we'll talk about is remarkable, but it does mm-hmm. sound like you guys were onto something. And I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit 
because I do think it starts from the top. And, and I know the, it sounds like the environment was key and maybe you had exposure to that and you brought it in at home and you and Lynn, et cetera. So I just want to get insight. You, it might seem like second nature to you, but you may be taking it for granted. What does that structure look like inside the house? You take action really quickly, but then are you guys having, how are you communicating? Uh, is yeah. it okay. you know, on the fly? structured calls like i'm curious yeah okay so uh so let the back if we go back to the the sauce sauce business right yeah. so the sauce business actually started uh from another business that we started and that business started from a party so we went to a party and then they had this uh they were talking about something called you can cut out the name if you don't want to but this is uh, it's called dream dinners or something like that, something to that effect. And it's, it's basically a, a place where the they've done all the shopping, they've done all the chopping, and then you have all the ingredients that are there, and then they have a recipe. And then you kind of book a time, and then you go to that store, and then you put, put all you put all the ingredients into uh, into bags and stuff like that. You bring them home, and then you cook them at home, and blah blah blah. And uh, so some people really like the idea and I have some strong opinions about that business that I expressed during that party. And I said, that doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense. The critical component of this, of the having a good dinner is how you cook it. So these people, mm -hmm. if they're going to buy the ingredients and have to chop them, then they, they don't even know how to chop their own uh, vegetables. How can they cook them properly? Yeah. So they might not like the meal because of their own poor cooking experience. So that's, that doesn't make sense. So then we started talking about, about that. And this is how we ended up saying, well, we're going to do something better. We're just going to have the prepared meals. And then, so that's how we started this. We call that, uh, I think it was called Tuesday night supper club. And that was very, um, that was very successful. We had like, we had like, uh, I think at one point we had like a hundred families. We were cooking from home and um, it was, it was just insane, <laughs> insane. And we had a big kitchen, but uh, still we were at an inflection point at that, at that time where we said, well, this is growing, but we don't have room. We can't do it. We can't handle any more than this. This is insane. What do we want to do? to uh the next step so the next lo next logical step was to find a commercial space commercial kitchen cook from there <clears throat> and then do delivery and stuff like that and this is what some businesses are doing now but i didn't i didn't like that um because so my criteria so this is when we kind of establish and kind of uh what the criteria were for the businesses so we wanted to have something that was that had passive income Mm -hmm. So that where we, we could be, uh, you know, basically making money in our sleeps and all, st all, all that good stuff. Uh, so that was the criteria number one. I wanted to be uh, completely uh, not connected to my location. So I didn't want to have a storefront or having to go to a location in order to, to do business. I wanted to be anywhere in the world I can still do, do the business. Mm -hmm. So these were the two key components that we had. And um, so that's why we decided not to do a restaurant or not to do a commercial space and stuff. So, and, and is this over time from the experience that you're like, okay, this is what I don't like and this is what we do like? or, or is that Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Care? Because for me, the passive income was key because yeah. I knew that it, it's inevitable. 
uh, I, I knew that eventually I want to retire uh, and I want to travel. And I, being an independent consultant for so many years, the connection between the hours that you work and the dollars that you make is very, very tight. <laughs> if you don't work one hour, that's one hour you don't get paid. And uh, when you go on vacation, uh, I was making pretty good uh, hourly rate. But when you go on vacation, that vacation is is costing you five times the the flights and hotel. You know, so yeah. you think twice before going on vacation. But yeah. your family wants to go on vacation, so <laughs> so that's kind of how how that works. So so that's how these criteria came came about. And then based on these criteria, we said, well, what can ex- what can we extract from our Tuesday night supper club? to make a business that would have passive income. So there were sauces that we were using for, for the Tuesday night supper club and say, well, why don't we package those into a product and then we can sell that. Uh, so we have to have a contract backer uh, that's going to be basically producing all the, all the sauce and packaging them and shipping them so that we can be anywhere in the world, get an order, and then call the contract packer and say, hey, you know, you need to send, send this to, uh, you know, to the distributor or to the store, blah, blah, blah. Right. Okay. So that was the idea there. Um, so that's what, that's when the uh, gourmet sauce company kind of got started. Mm. We didn't know anything about that. And uh, our focus at that point was um, a couple of, couple of things. One of them was kind of finding the, the right resources to, uh, to do this. Um, so the contract packer was one of them. Uh, how do we like bottle, bottle company, uh, any kind of food scientist and all that kind of stuff. And also uh, labeling and marketing. So how to produce, uh, so an artist produced the, the label. <clears throat> and then we had to deal also with the, um, the product itself. So how do we kind of line those two things up um, so that, you know, if you want to have a gourmet sauce, well, it has to look gourmet. You, can't have, you have to have a certain bottle. You have to have a label that looks a certain way, et cetera. Um, yeah, yeah. Right? So these two together, and then you have uh, at the top of that, then you have to figure out what the numbers look like. So, yeah, you want to have this bottle, but this bottle could cost X dollars uh, or X pennies more and that's going to affect your this and that and then you end up at this price and then you have to pay the the co-packer you have to pay the distributor you have to pay the store this is what the um this is what the 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 sales price for the consumer is going to look like yeah is this does that and then kind of go back does that still fit into what um you know the the what your product wants to do right take home it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Is it too expensive now or is it too cheap or something? Yeah. Most of the time, too expensive. Uh, so, yeah. So, and it's kind of working in that triangle and really tweak, tweaking this until you find just the right, the right sweet spot. And you're constantly working that. Every penny counts in that business. And, uh, yeah. Just like any so business. Yeah. Don't, just like any business. And, and so I want to use this as a, a springboard to, to how – you know, you guys created your, your turnkey business today. Today, mm-hmm. So that was a good insight. But I do want to highlight what you said is very important because I, I, I don't think uh, sometimes we take enough time to think about our lifestyle 
and you know what we want it to mm -hmm. be like and if it's in alignment with our goals and i yeah. think sometimes that happens when pe people actually create a new job out of a business uh, that's yeah. even way worse than the job that they may have had with their, you know, whether it's a month off vacation, whatever you call it. But a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes go the other route. And uh, one of the uh, one of my favorite books is actually uh, The Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Oh, no, um, I don't know. Because it goes through, you know, you talk about passive income and you know, not location. And his is he uses the SENSE acronym. Um, mm -hmm. Does your business have control? Uh, is it a higher low barrier of entry yeah. mm -hmm. is there a need for it yeah uh, is it time dependent and is it mm -hmm. scalable sense yeah i, I would recommend yeah. it to anybody and i think you you define that and then you built that internally into what is now externally so i want to fast forward you're in california you're trying to do the real estate thing very competitive mm -hmm. high prices you go out of state which is a huge leap and i think people have friction with that how did you make that initial jump? I know I've heard some insight from Antoine about it, but yeah. I, I want to hear it from you too. How did that go? Okay, we're going to go out of state. Was that a decision that was just like, after it just kept hitting the wall or what was that? We'll be right back. So I think uh, we decided to, uh, at that point, we were still interested in real estate. Then we said, well, let's do passive income instead of doing this uh, you know, a, a lot of transaction and all of that. Flipping, Let's, right? Compared to yeah, flipping, it's a flipping, full time yeah. job. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And uh, we said, okay, well, let's do, yeah, it was part of it is the, the time component. I mean, the, the advantage that I had on my side was that I had Antoine that was just graduating and he had time. Yeah. Uh, even at university, he had some some free time to help, and then I had my other sons that was that was also a, a real estate uh, agent and interested in real estate. So we had these two people that two individual that you know they could help with the business. Yeah. So that's the advantage. A lot of people don't have that. They you know they they're just by themselves, or and it's so you have to be you choose your strategy based on these constraints, your time, money, and yeah. then the skills and resources that you have. So, <clears throat> and so I think at the time, so we had done all kinds of things. We had done commercial. That was the last thing that we did uh, in, in California, I think. Uh, then we decided this is, this California market is not working <laughs> for us. It's working for some people. It's not working for us. And then it's like, okay, well, let's, uh, what is the, the next thing? And then we saw, let's, let's do some passive income and to kind of build a portfolio of, of rental properties. And then we just like, you know, then we'll, we'll see where at least we can, you know, get some time to think about it. And, um, so that's when we started looking out of state and, and you know, and then we set up if we were to, find a uh the the perfect passive income property obviously that has to cash flow we want it to be in a market that was landlord friendly so that if somebody decides that um they don't want to pay the rent that we can you know ease fairly easily evict them mm -hmm. um and then get a tenant paying in there and that it was less less regulations in general it was just easier for us to get in so that's so that's we established our criteria at that point to uh, and say where is where can I find these properties and so Cleveland, Memphis, St. Louis, I think Indianapolis. There's a couple of other ones that uh, that showed up on that uh, on that map, and you know Antoine was uh, I think Etienne at that point was working uh, as a real estate agent. Uh, 
he was trying to experience that part of it. And then Antoine was free. So he said, okay, well, I'm, I'll do it. So, and I was working full-time as an independent consultant. So he was, he was uh, calling this because then we looked at what resources do we need? We need somebody on the ground. We need a, a realtor. We need property management. We need a contractor, you know, and then we need to find some deals and all that. And what and was, and what was the <clears throat> blueprint though? Were you guys going to take at that point you had already said, we're done with the flipping thing. We're going to look for a passive income. So we need all these to make, to be successful, to acquire our first turnkey pass, passive income unit like what was, was that we were thinking burr we, that's what we were okay. thinking burr strategy yeah. so which is basically you buy distressed property you renovate it rent it out and then you refinance and then the other r is repeat um, so that was our plan right so i said okay let's let's do that and then um so we go we go through and uh, Antoine does like hundred phone calls and stuff like that and talk to lots of uh, realtors and then uh, actually not that many I think he's just he called he called a hundred people but only like three or four replied within a the right time frame and uh, so we talked to them and you know they look good and one of them in Memphis was fantastic uh, then a couple of other ones in uh, in Cleveland etc so we. You know, Antoine kind of like set that up, work with them and say, hey, you know, this is, I need a property management. I need this. I need that, you know, kind of, uh, and vetted that. And then we would meet, uh, Antoine and I, we would meet in the, uh, every day in the, uh, at night, in the weekend and stuff like that. And I was being an independent consultant. I had a lot of, uh, flexibility with my time as well. So yes. we were able to talk also during the day. I think that's, um, a, that's, I think that's really important too. And I think people are mm-hmm. feeling it now during COVID too. I think yeah. uh, creating, and I want to get to, to you, cause you talk about uh, uh, your book, Stop Trading Time for Money, which I think is, is really uh, in sync. Uh, I guess there's so mm-hmm. many, there's so much synergy because I just did a TEDx talk on how to get more than 24 hours in your day. And, yeah. and, and I'm sure, and I want to get my hands on it cause I'm sure it's the exact same thing, but I think what I want to talk about and want to highlight that's important is that creating that, start with where you are. And I know Antoine has actually given me that insight. Start mm-hmm. where, where it makes sense for you. Try to create yeah. some flexibility in your life. If you're a consultant, if you do have some downtime, if you That's can right. have two, com- two computers open. I know it because I'm, I'm guilty of it too as I'm transitioning into my full-time business career. I can still kind of double dip and like, but you can set yourself up that way. And, and I think if you're aligning yourself up correctly with the goals of saying, Hey, this is my goal. I want passive income and I don't want to be tied to a location. Maybe you mm-hmm. can find remote work kind of like, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Consulting very similar. Yeah. Like uh, the, the nomads. Important for to in, yeah. D- digital yeah. nomads. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what we're trying to build. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I think that's, I think you're highlighting these important pieces and I don't even know if you mean to, but I'm hearing them. Cause I'm like, ah, like that makes sense. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. um, and I think that, that that helps tell the story. So so that's fascinating. So you have you're meeting with Antoine periodically, and he's kind of running the show as well. But you're also f- available. What kind of availability oh, yeah. are you helping with him, and how are you kind of letting? What are you delegating, and what are you what are you guys are you just guys just strategically huddling? I'm just curious. That's right. Yeah. So it's just really at the strategy. So we're talking about okay, this is what we're gonna do. This is uh, and then Antoine was just like, get on the phone. Uh, and talk talk to people. And the funny thing is that. Do you like that, by that, the way? Do you like talking to people on the phone? I do. Okay, you do. Okay, cool. That's interesting. Yeah. I was I, I was wondering if you were kind of filling him, if he was filling that gap somehow. I was curious. 
Well, I didn't have much time, right? So I right. just, uh, you know, and in fact, uh, Antoine was the one that didn't like to talk to people on the ah. phone. He didn't like to do presentations. And, uh, and look at him now. He's presenting every day on Instagram. He has, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know, like seven, 70,000 uh, followers there. And he's on the phone all yeah, the time. Really I mean, he's really, uh, yeah. But yeah, he was the one that didn't like uh, to talk on the phone. And that, that could be a lesson as well is that, you know, as an entrepreneur, sometimes you have to do things that you're not comfortable with. And, uh, Antoine was definitely not comfortable doing that. Um, but he did it. And, uh, <clears throat> the thing that helped him a little bit too is that he has a very deep voice. So, and I told him when he was calling them, I said, well, they're not going to take me seriously and all of that. I said, Antoine, they don't know. Their voice is so deep. You, you, they think you're you're 30 years old or 40 years old. So just just go with the flow and talk. Uh, do you know what you're you know what you're talking about? So you're you know you're smart. You know what you're looking for and go for it. Amazing. And yeah, yeah. So you're great. Uh, then you met these uh, these guys in person, and then they're just like, "What is that? You? <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy and calling say, the yep. shots, huh? Exactly. Yeah." So, awesome. um, no, yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, so it was very, it was very good for him, uh, and, uh, really getting out of, uh, the sh his shell, I think. And, um, and like he, he was, he was always very good. Like, you know, we talked about the low carb grocery store. I mean, he had like, like a keen sense of, uh, business sense and oh, yeah. all of that. And like very interested in that aspect of it. And we can talk about all the other businesses. I mean, you probably did talk yeah, about yeah, all the different businesses. Yeah, we did talk about it. He dabbled yeah. in a lot of stuff yeah. as a real entrepreneur. Oh, yeah, absolutely, sure. absolutely. Yeah, wonder where he so, got yeah, that so, from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, part of it is that also in all the businesses that we've done, yeah. we haven't lost money. We haven't we haven't made money, but we haven't lost money. How do you uh, how do you how do you um, how do you put yourself in that position and, or, and in hindsight, what do you think it was that allowed you to not lose money? I think we were very, uh, we spent a lot of time on the numbers, making sure that the numbers make sense up front, and then, um, and then taking like a go step by step, not try to go and jump to, Oh, wow, this is going to be a fantastic product. Let's do, uh, you know, let's spend $200,000 in inventory and then be stuck with it. And um, not entering into deals that were too, too uh, constraining or too risky for us. So we could have gone, for example, for a Costco deal. And Costco, they want you to have like six pallets of sauce, for example. Yeah. And then you have one weekend. I forget what they're called. They have like one weekend. And then if you don't sell, you buy back your product. So you, here you go. You put like $200,000 in the... Uh, in product that you have to ship there you spend your weekend do the in-store demos and then if that doesn't work out if you don't sell enough according to them then you take your product home that's tough yeah so it's very tough so um so yeah you have to be certain so and, yeah and, so we, di we didn't go into these deals yeah. because we didn't want to take that risk right yeah mm -hmm. yeah so, so that's, that's my my lesson to learn i would say on that one yeah, no, these are good because, I, again, I can all see how that those are all ingredients to a successful formula in real estate. So oh, fast forward. A little food forward. pun, I see. A see what I did pun. there, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. And it's the lab, so we're cooking up. So I'm telling you. Um, 
we're stirring the pot. But so so we got all so we're gathering all this data. This is good. So yep. fast forward to today. Okay. So where yep. are you guys at? Give give some context. And I want you guys to get you guys are such mm-hmm. humble individuals and I love what you guys are doing. But give us some numbers for the listeners to see how you know it started from the small businesses here and there, the first deal out of state. Where are you at today to give us some context uh, for the, yep. for our listeners? So the first deal that we did out of state was actually in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was one pro- one house. Again, we, we started very small. We started with one house. We renovated it, rented it out. And we were so amazed by how uh, smoothly that went. We said, okay, well, let's do two more. And then let's do, you know, four more and stuff like that. And that's kind of how, how we, we grew that, that business. But again, we were at that time when we got started, I think it was 2017. I mean, we were just starting thinking about ourselves, uh, building our portfolio. And then, um, but then our friends were friends and people that knew us were kind of like, Hey, what are, you, what are our Martels doing? What are they up to? Cause they knew we always like do something, uh, <laughs> something. You're always up to something. something. You're, you're always cooking something. something. We haven't up. heard from them in a while. <laughs> we better check working. on them. <laughs> so then they started being interested in, in that and um, and w- people wanted to buy some of these turnkey rent these basically these rentals that after they were rented out they wanted to have turnkey a turnkey rental they can just buy from us and then and what said, are oh, some numbers I know we can check them uh, on your site but what are some of the numbers that we're looking at here and so give, yeah typically give maybe some of your Californians some context of like oh my goodness oh, yeah be careful <laughs> Their head, head is going to explode. Might, so might. A, a house typically around uh, that you can buy in, in Memphis or Cleveland around $90,000. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, your cost going in and then your little rehab. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. So that, that really depends. But yeah. our cost yeah. is really, uh, you know, ar- we are around like forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, putting like fifteen dollars to $20,000 in, in rehab costs. Cos- uh, cosmetic yeah. rehabs, right? Uh, they're pretty significant. I mean, we look at uh, all the, uh, yeah. Well, again, it's not like, uh, it's not California renos and it's also rental renos. So we don't do like, there's no granite counter. There's no, uh, you know, uh, the, the kitchen is pretty is simple and all yeah. that. And then we have some good appliances, but it's not top of the line. We don't have the you know, Viking or something like that. Yeah. But um but yeah, so that's what we do. But we really focus on the the important stuff. Uh, obviously, cosmetic is is important as well. So it's all like looks nice. But we look a lot at hardwood floors uh, or plank planks like the vinyl planks and stuff like that. So we redo normally all the the floors, bathrooms, and kitchen. We kind of like re uh, refinish them a little bit, um, and then new appliances. And then we look at the mechanicals as well. So like furnace, air conditioning. Uh, hot water tank and all of that. Make sure that this there's sufficient lifespan left on uh, for that uh, for all the mechanicals, basically. And um, yeah, then we resell them around you know eighty five, ninety thousand uh, dollars, depending on the uh, on the area. And typically, the they would rent for around nine hundred dollars. So if you're familiar with the one percent rule, so we're we're right there, and uh, sometimes they're a little bit more. Um, yeah, so cash flow typically after you've paid your property management, your utility, not utilities, your insurance and uh, property taxes and your mortgage, you're left around $250 a month. And uh, you've put like $20,000 in uh, down payment. So you have like 15% cash on cash return. 
Well, well, and I guess so. It makes sense to why you'd invest in them. I guess I'm curious in your in your world. Are you? I, I mean, I know you're selling them, but the question yeah. I would ask two separate questions: Why sell them? And then, and or do you guys keep a balance of of, of keeping some for yourself? You sell them away. So what we did is uh, after that, after we've built a couple of these properties, I actually sold my primary residence in, uh, in 2018 because uh, I had that uh, equity sitting in the house and I tried to extract it as much as possible. So I maxed out on the line of credit and all of that. And, um, and then we said, okay, well, we have to do something. I kept imagining the equity sitting on the couch, relaxing uh, with a beer in hand and me working my ass off, you know, as I said, that like really you're, you're got working me for angry. <laughs> <laughs> so I was working from my house. That's what it felt Absolutely, like yes. every Absolutely. day. And I was just like, get off the couch, you know? And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so we sold the house in uh, 2018 and that money, that equity that we freed from that, is uh, we really put it to work in, in multifamily. So we bought uh, an apartment building and then we bought a couple more. So we actually have like five apartment buildings right now in Memphis, downtown Memphis, and renovated them. And uh, I think we have a couple more apartments, uh, one apartment building that needs to be finished. We haven't really touched it that much, but then the other one uh, are pretty much finished. And so, yeah, so that's the investment that we did with it. So. Uh, was that, was there pushback in, in the family at all with that? Cause I know that <clears throat> that's a thing that people don't really, I think that's a big problem, right? People are sitting on equity and, and it's yeah. funny. You mentioned this word, no, excuse me for a second. Yep. You mentioned this word return on equity. Not everybody says yeah. that. And I think exactly. you're very well aware of it. What's the, did you have pushback on, on, letting go of that equity that you're sitting on because people look at their homes as an asset when it's maybe exactly. really a liability. So what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> yep, exactly. This is exactly what happened. People define kind of uh, wealth as uh, kind of the amount of equity they have. I think it's true to a certain extent, but as long as you are willing to do something to get the equity when you need it. So I think if you have an investment uh of any kind of investment where you have equity in it, it could be an apartment building, let's say, and you say, well, it's just an apartment building. If I want to get the equity out, I'll just sell it or whatever. So if you're willing to do that, then I think this is, this is pretty good. But when it comes down to, um, to a, your primary residence, people have completely different emo emotions around that and um you talk about the you know the american dream and all of that and i say oh no this is important and it's a good investment and blah 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 but it's a good investment only if you're willing to do something about it like if if you're not willing to sell it and get the profit out yeah. Yeah. if you're really thinking about it as an investment then you would sell it as soon as you have achieved $500,000 in capital gains on this property, you would sell it and then buy another property. So if that's what you're doing as a strategy, that's, that's excellent. I think you, you should buy your own home, but uh, other people, they want to keep it for 20 years and all of that. And Pay that doesn't off. add up. Pay it off. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's the other thing too. So, oh no, it's going to be paid off when I retire. But you're still going to have to pay property taxes, insurance, maintenance, and all that kind of stuff. So it's yeah. not free. 
It means so, to an end. It mean, it's a means to an end. Just like, yep. again, I want to highlight back to your, you know, when you're consulting, when you're working, it's, you have, mm-hmm. it's okay to do all these things as long as you're optimizing for, and I should be careful when I say this because not everybody has the same goal as I do, but I do believe that if you're listening to this, that you're probably someone along the lines of who's interested in business, interested in passive income and yeah. returns on equity, returns on investment. So I think echoing that message for the listener is, is uh, you're a prime example of that. And, and that's, that's fantastic. So, so today, again, so I want to, I want, I do want to highlight this because I want to give people a chance to check out some of the, the properties that you have. And we're doing such a good job of getting into the, the stories um, yeah. today. What does the portfolio look like? And I know you're, you start, start started talking about going to multifamily apartments. Uh, you started bringing friends and family, which yeah. I'm sure perhaps maybe you guys are starting to pull some money in, which I think is super smart. It's leverage. Yeah. Um, is that where the, the, the vision is, or is that something that's kind of growing and you're kind of taking as you go? Um, <laughs> I, the question I was asking is, um, is, you know, I'll just recap what I was saying yeah. is you guys got into the turnkey and, and you told me, you know, you use some of the equity to buy multifamily apartments as well. Um, is that a direction that you see now you guys are going into and you're bringing in some friends and family mm-hmm. and you're pulling in money, which I think is, is very smart. Is that a direction that you feel you're, you're, you're going in, in lieu of Burr or in addition to, and you're going to continue to do what, what got you there? Actually, we're right now. It's uh, it's all turnkey. So this is our this is our big big focus right now. Is turnkey. We're actually in the process of selling the apartment buildings that we are uh, that we've renovated. So we have three for sales right now, uh, for sale right now. And then that equity that we've built up there, we're gonna put it back into uh, Martel Turnkey so that we can accelerate the growth of Martel Turnkey. Okay, interesting. What's the growth? Yeah. Are we going to other states? Are we going to just dominate Cleveland? Because I know Anton told me last time you guys create your own comps, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah. Uh, what's yeah. the play there? So, yeah, so exactly. So we want to uh, expand in, in Cleveland. We want to double up in Memphis. And then we're opening up other markets as well. Kind of like go back to some of the other markets where we were in and then uh, exploring some other, other options as well. But yeah, it's kind of... Uh, and we want to make it more systematized and then bring more people in so that it's more, uh, it basically run on its own. So we, we get passive income, but the passive income now is going to come from the business itself. The business is going to be self-managed. So that's what we're going to be working on next, uh, next year. And we're going to also do more seller financing next year too to kind of accelerate oh. the growth as well because Sweet. we saw there was a lot of delays in, in financing and um, you know, requirements and all that kind of stuff. And then we just, and sometimes we would waste like a month in, uh, in, in waiting for financing. So now if we do seller financing, I mean, we can finance right on the spot. And then we had some also investors that they don't have W2s. They, and they have good, like solid uh, other income and uh, they couldn't get financing. Yeah, yeah, that's the best. In fact, I couldn't, I couldn't get financing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another thing, right? As consultants, um, I'm actually going through it right now. After like, yeah. a contractor looking at the 10 and 9 or W two, and I'm like, it's like, dude, yeah. I get like we're, they make it hard sometimes. And and I yeah. think it's important to to have that because I was talking to another lender who was doing like bank statements only. I'm like, great. Uh, it, it's I'm glad to hear yeah. that. And this is a plug. 
to uh, Martel Turn- uh, Turnkey uh, because mm-hmm. I think that that you're you're as an entrepreneur and as business you're always kind of trying to fill the gap and seeing how you can serve the marketplace. So I think that's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're constantly, yeah. And you're constantly tweaking the business. I mean, when we looked yeah. at the portfolio for the single family, I mean, we kind of, you go in there and it's, it looks good. And then you constantly look at the metrics and you say, okay, well, how can we make that better? Yeah. You know, we're always talking about it. We're always looking at it and say, how can we make this better? And part of the reason why we also started selling uh, these, these uh, rentals turnkey is because I was the, at the beginning I had, we were able to get like a portfolio financing. So basically bundling four or five single family rentals together and get one loan for it. And that that's considered like a commercial commercial loan at that point. And then I didn't care about my W2 because I, you know, I was work I was working as an independent consultant and I had all these, weird things on my income statement and all of that. So they didn't like it. So I couldn't get, I couldn't get regular financing, you know? So, um, so that's why, you know, the portfolio loans were great to get started, but then they canceled the portfolio loans, the the financial institution that we were working with. So we tried to look for other ones and then just like that didn't work out. The on, if you go in apartment buildings, they don't care about your W2 all the commercial lending mm. is all asset-based lending. So they just look at the asset itself. Does it make money? What's the rent roll? All of that. And they don't, they don't care about your, um, your W2. Um, so, yeah. So that's, that's one of the reasons why we went and invested in that. And then uh, invested in turnkey after that. Interesting. Solving your own problem, scratching your own itch, and then offering it back to the marketplace. Well, exactly. Right. I mean, it's the, this is exactly, this is business. This is entrepreneurship. I mean, there's, uh, we keep constantly, uh, look at, you know, what's going on, look at the the numbers. How can we make it better? How can we make it better for our investors and all of that and constantly tweaking. Awesome. Awesome. Let's let's, uh, go into the keeping it real segment. I want to, you know, I knew we were going to have a blast and we, (laughs) <laughs> literally double the time because I'm just having such a good time chatting with uh-huh. you. Good, I good. Lost track of time. I want to hear this from you though, really, yep. really quickly. What, what, what's the biggest misconception that you think uh, that, that people face in, and it's, I want to say business because you're clearly business and you just happen to be in the real estate business. But what do you think one of those things that with all the knowledge and your experience that you had, what is the biggest misconception that you think exists out there? I think the biggest misconception these people think that uh, because they have an idea, they think they have a business, you know? So having an idea for to build a software and stuff like that doesn't mean you have a software. And even having the software, uh, an application and stuff like that doesn't mean you have a business either. A business is a lot of different components that have to work together in order to make money. So that's, that's the key right there. Mm, you know, I have so many people that are bringing ideas and say, oh, yeah, you should, you should do this. Yeah, no, it's your yeah, idea. You Why don't you do it? <laughs> because it's easy to have ideas, but it's hard to execute. That's the problem, right? Exactly. Right. I mean, the exec- yeah. all these things have to uh, work together. And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I literally had this conversation the other day because I said, no, I had that idea. And, and I, I said, said that knowing that how foolish it sounds, but yeah. I wasn't even trying to, 
you know, sound like I had that idea. I was like, yes, I had the idea, but I didn't execute on it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. that's a complete ball game. Everybody has great ideas. There's, there's a bunch exactly. of million dollar ideas around it, but who's going to execute the million dollar <laughs> system and operation? That's a whole different story. Exactly. And, so, and I'm looking at the man exactly. right there and you've done that. So that, I'm really stoked. So the core rapid fire questions real quick. I'm curious. You're very knowledgeable. You, you've learned business, know the numbers. You have a favorite book. I know we talk about yours, which we got to plug into the show notes. But besides that, do you have a favorite book that really resonates oh. with you? My book is Stop Trading Your Time for Money. But uh, <laughs> plug. I think, I think one of them that people don't, uh, and, and I, li- I love the title, is called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And I think this is uh, this is a very good book to for people who ha- who don't realize yet that they have to do a mindset shift in order to to get into financial freedom. So what mm-hmm. got you here won't get you there. Definitely, we'll get the author on that for sure. We'll yeah, I don't know the author. Yeah, yeah well, we'll get it in good. there. Yeah. Uh, best habit that serves you every day, Eric. Uh, I would say, uh, hmm. Whoa. The- I think consistency, I think. Mm. So I think, and yeah, analysis. Nice. Think, thinking. Yeah. <laughs> but is there a tool, best tool that helps you, that serves you oh. throughout the day? Anything? Um, best tool, well, I would say kind of like Excel or these spreadsheets. I mean, we, we use that quite a bit, definitely. Said like a true numbers guy, of course. I don't, th- I don't think there would be any business without Excel. I don't think <laughs> I that. Know. <laughs> Absolutely. Live and die by it. I'm very curious to hear what you say on this one. One 300 unit apartment or um, 100 turnkey properties? Oh, 100 turnkey. Wow. Interesting. That's really yeah. cool. I, I could see yeah. that you're, 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 that is your bread and butter. Live and yeah. die by it. Is it? I, I got to ask real quick. Is Why? Is it? Well, I would say, especially for the uh, for the young, the, the newer investor and stuff like that, I think that the advantage is that you have more uh, liquidity. Uh, so I know it doesn't seem like it, but it's easier to sell a couple of properties, hmm. uh, a couple of single family rentals than to sell uh, an apartment building. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's probably one of the, the biggest reason. That's a great answer, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, cash flow or equity? Well, I think cash flow is definitely is definitely the game. I mean, the uh, to me, like I always want to convert my equity into cash flow. That's that's what you want to do. I like that. You might have to brand that convert equity into cash flow. <laughs> well, otherwise, I mean, to me, the image the yeah. image that I have, if you just have that equity sitting there, is that yeah. that cash sitting on the sofa with a beer. That's like, <laughs> I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna get the team to create a meme of that and put your head. Yeah, yeah, that's what like I imagine sell, all the time. The like, get sell off the, the couch. <laughs> you said it twice, so we're going to create some, and then and we'll get Antoine to post it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get off the couch. All right. Um, self-manage or outsource? So uh, definitely outsource. I outsource everything. Uh, that's everything I can, and this is always some things that you're gonna keep to your, not to yourself, but that you you're the best at and stuff like that and or that's or that you haven't systematized yet yeah but even even that i want to i want to outsource got it lastly i gotta ask this one because our team is produces our content uh <laughs> how much has your business uh, uh succeeded from um 
social media? How much has it benefited from it? Oh, it's been critical, critical. I mean, Antoine can tell you stories of, you know, properties we were looking for an investor on. He posts something on Instagram. He has a lot of followers on Instagram, but... And um, yeah, he would get like people call, contacting him and say, "Hey, I have uh, I have a hundred thousand dollars." <laughs> You'd be surprised, right? Oh, I'm, I'm surprised every time. <laughs> it it happened. This is real, real stuff. Yeah. It, it happened all. It happened often. So yeah, so social media is critical. Critical for us. Also critical for educating people. So that's why I have my YouTube channel, and I'm starting another YouTube channel that's more. <clears throat> I have one that's more like about interviews, but now I'm doing another one that's more about um, education or, um, you know, sharing ideas and stuff like that. That's so, yeah. So I think, yeah. I think that's no, critical I, for people to l- learn. You're not going to learn that stuff at school. So, yeah, no, I, I love that. And we'll be sure to plug in your YouTube channel's name as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great segue to what I'm about to ask next is, first of all, thank you so much for coming to the lab. Uh, keeping it in the family, as I like to say. Yeah. We had, uh, next time we're going to do this in French, uh, for sure. Absolutely. Oui. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> pour, les, pour les Français, les Canadiens, les Français, anywhere, anywhere around the world. Uh-huh. Whoever speaks French, we got you. We'll get you a version. <laughs> and uh, yeah, everything f- comes full circle. Where can we find out more about the wonderful stuff that you and your family are doing um, and to, to, to stay in touch with you and what you can offer to the marketplace? So uh, for me, on uh, I have my own website called MartelEric.com. So there you can find you know links to my books and all the social media that I'm on. On Instagram, it's E underscore Martel, M-A-R-T-E-L. <clears throat> and on Facebook, Eric.Martel.ca. Awesome. Awesome. We'll be sure to include that in the show notes. I'm going to take this screenshot right here oh, yeah. in a second, send that to... Uh, uh and i think he, he actually just texted me i saw it coming in during the show we had we keep it in the keep it in the family here in the lab and make sure know, keeping guys, it real keeping it real we got eric here with us uh and obviously we had anton in the past and it's just so good to uh, see the whole family come together um and you guys are crushing it and i hope this finds you and everybody well everybody stay mm-hmm. safe uh Thank we you gotta do too. this again we gotta do this again absolutely absolutely yeah absolutely. and just like that we are out If you're a real estate professional, a real estate agent, a real estate investor, a lender, a multifamily syndicator, a contractor, you name it, and you're looking to grow your online presence, but you have no idea how to get started or simply don't have the time, at Invested Talent, we help real estate professionals extend their current business to social media. Why is this important? Without this, you wouldn't be listening to this show and your own host, Ruben Kanya and his team would not have done deals they've done today. As a matter of fact, social media has helped us keep this show together, which now exceeds a billion dollars worth of real estate from our guests collectively. That's right. Our reputation, opportunities, partnerships, and most importantly, real estate transactions were started directly from social media. If you're a real estate professional and you lack an existence on a media platform, invested talent can help. Simply go to investedtalent.com forward slash social media and make sure you click the get in touch button to get in touch with our team. Again, that's investedtalent.com forward slash social media and get in touch with our team. You focus on being the brand and we'll help you build it.
Now, if you know anything about the lab, you know that we like to give practical advice. So if you feel that this podcast was of any value to you, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes by going directly to the podcast app. From the show's page, scroll all the way down and leave us a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment. Lastly, and most importantly, share this episode with a friend you feel will benefit this episode the most. Remember, there's a you and I in build. Let's build, y'all.